So I have to at least share one thing while the moms are making their way back. I loved it that Lynn said, if you can hang a poster, because it immediately reminded me of an episode of The Simpsons where The Simpsons' house burns down in this horrible grease fire, if I recall. I think Homer was like smoking meat on top of his roof out of the chimney and then accidentally lit it on fire and burned his house to the ground. So all the neighbors came in and got together to build them a house built by love. And, um, and so in the episode, they're walking around in this house and it is just horrific. Uh, but the best part is, like, he has a room that's like a perspective room where you start walking and you're looking down the hall, but then as they start walking, the hall actually shrinks down to a small point. So they're like, <laughs> and then the best part is he looks over and it's like a little, I think it's a little poster of that kitten that says, you know, hang on, you know, when it's holding on by the one claw. And he's like, hey, that poster's crooked. And he goes to touch it and the, one of the guys goes, careful, that's a load-bearing poster. <laughs> And that is what it's like to be inside of my mind <laughs> all the time. So the fact that I can get up here and put three words together is a work of God. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can be together today to examine the scriptures in light of the revelation of your Holy Spirit. God, you're here with us. We thank you because your word says that where any two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And your word also says that you inhabit the praises of your people, so you are here with us right now. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Oh, God, let us be even more aware of your Holy Spirit right now. Open up our hearts, God, to commune with you in every fiber of our being, in every part of our spirit. And as we examine the scriptures, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself the Son, and the Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I am really excited about what I get to preach to you today. We're going to start in John 1, 1 through 5, and I'm going to cover a ton of Scripture today. I feel like it's really important. I realize that when we do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Scripture, sometimes we can kind of drown in just so many words. But I'm risking that a little bit today because this this word is specifically about the scriptures themselves. And I honestly felt like, you know what? I can't say better about the scripture what the scripture is saying about itself. I'm going to go ahead and let it speak for itself today. And so get ready. We're going on a scripture roller coaster about the word. The first point that I'm going to make today is that the word is God. That's quite a statement. First John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There is this extraordinary thing that we must understand, that the scripture is how God has chosen to reveal Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, he continually referenced the scriptures to say, I am the one of whom this scripture spoke. And in an amazing, incredible, supernatural way, he's also saying, I am these scriptures. Yeah, just, right? It just blows your mind, doesn't it? But he's saying that. I'm the revelation of what these are, and what these are is who I am. 
He's given us, now think about the brilliance of what God has done. This is key for us as followers of Christ. God has given us the scriptures for so many reasons, but in his wisdom, one of the things that he's done, one facet of this, and this is an important one, is that he has given us an objective revelation of Jesus Christ, of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. An objective revelation. Would you just say that? Objective revelation. You see, if God had not given us the scriptures, then we could easily come together and argue about my experience and your experience. And there would really be nothing to qualify or to give us any sort of bearing on what was true and what wasn't. It would just simply be like, hey, I was looking up at a tree and it seemed unto me that God might be three. And I'd be like, dude, that's a great rhyme, but is it true? Because I was looking up, uh, up at a tree and it seemed unto me that I got distracted by a bumblebee, so we'll see. And you'd be like, dude, that's stupid. And I'd say, well, what makes it any stupider than yours? And we would just argue about what we both thought of when we looked at the tree. But then God <laughs> caused man to cut the tree down, make some paper, and print the inspired scriptures on it, and we can look at those and see the revelation of Jesus Christ in the written scriptures. And so what that does is it causes us to all have to submit ourselves to the revelation of Jesus Christ that's shown in scripture and have something objective so we can actually judge and discern truth. It's not just about like, well, for me, for me, when I think about things, I feel, I feel, you understand, for me. I mean, for you is whatever, it's fine. For you is for you. But for me is for me, and I think blah, blah, blah. Okay, And we've all been in those conversations, right? They're so mentally stimulating, aren't they? It's just wonderful. Oh, for me, but for you, but for me, but for you, but we, but for they. Praise Jesus that he's delivered us from this nonsense. We have the scriptures. It's an objective place where we can go and see that the word is God, that God has revealed truth in the scriptures, and we can go to the scriptures then and, and discern truth. And it's objective. Doesn't that feel good? So the word is God. Jesus comes and says, I am the word, and I've revealed who I am. And everything Jesus did, he fulfilled the scripture. Why? Because the scripture was written about him. So whenever we as followers come to understand and to move forward, we must start with the word because the spirit of God reveals through the word all the things that are required for us as followers. Are you with me? And, the, and so I'm going to just keep unpacking this, okay? But this is the beautiful part. It's the scriptures are written for our instruction and edification. All right? Let's go to the next one. The written word is our response. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to summarize all of this at the end here, but I want to talk about a whole bunch of things that the word is. Because if we don't catch this, we will simply be anchorless, well-intentioned knuckleheads in this life. I'm just serious. I'm just going to level with you. We will. We'll just be these well-intentioned humanists with no reference to what God actually wants. We must be in the Word. And so I'm going to use the Word to prove to you that this is true. And I have a whole bunch of headings, and you can see this one here now. The written Word is our response. 
This is one of the things the word is for. It's our response. The written word is our response. So Jesus, being our example, when he's first met with temptation, this is what happens. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. Say, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, Jesus responds not with the rhema word of God in that moment. He didn't respond with the prophetic, like just then happening word of knowledge. Jesus didn't stop. I'm not going to go too far. What I'm saying is, listen, he went to what was written. you got to catch this. When you're in that moment of your life where you're trying to figure out what to do, and everything seems hazy, and everything seems crazy, and you feel a little lazy... It's not the time to look for a word of the Lord for that moment. It's time to go to what's written. I like this. It's time to go to what's written. Amen. You guys getting jealous? What's written, right? It's time to go. I'm just, except for you, you did good. The rest of you, I'm just kidding. Okay, Joshua, stop, stop it. You've got to go to what's written. That is, it's not time to get subjective when you're being tempted. That is the worst time. To try to be subjective when you're being tempted. you got to get objective. you got to get in the word and go, what is written about this situation? And Jesus did that. He demonstrates it. He says, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So the written word is our response. We respond with the written word. The word is our meditation day and night. I love this scripture, Joshua 1, 8 through 9. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have a good success. I like that. Then you'll have good success, not the bad kind. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How do you know that? Because you're meditating in the word day and night, and it will not depart from your mouth. What an interesting way to say that. Do not let this word depart from your mouth. How is it that it's in your mouth? Because you're meditating in it day and night. You, have, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever heard of the, uh, when I was in McDonald's, we, um, we talked about advertising a lot. You guys know that I, that I am a Hamburger University graduate, and that's right. Got the golden spatula, I'm not kidding. Went to Chicago to Hamburger University. I tell people that I'm an HU uh, graduate, and then I just leave it at that. Like, oh, that was pretty good. That sounds pretty good then. Anyway, one of the things that we talk about in advertising is that you want to have top of mind advertising. You need to remember TOMA, T O M A, top of mind advertising. You want, when people get hungry, the first thing on the top of their mind is to be like, ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it, right? Right? In my day, it was actually, woo, but it changed. Top of mind advertising. You want it to be the first thing that's in their head. I'm hungry. You guys remember, give me a break, give me a break. I'm aging myself and all the 40-year-olds know. Right? Okay. You guys, you, you remember some of this stuff, right? Snickers, right? Okay. So anyway, what was that? Top of mind advertising. How come we knew you would think to get a Snickers? How come we knew you'd want a Kit Kat? How come we knew you'd want to go to Mickey D's? Because we got you to meditate day and night on ba da 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 dollar drink at McDonald's, right? Top of mind, top of mind. And so then what did you say? What was the word that was in your mouth? I'm hungry. 
Awesome, french fries, right? Well, if you meditate on the word day and night, do you know what the first thing that will come out of your pie hole is when something happens? The word. It will. It'll be top of mind advertising. It will be the thing that's in your mind because you're meditating in it day and night. So when the enemy comes to tempt you with McDonald's french fries, okay, that was too far. That was too far. I love McDonald's french fries. With your second order of McDonald's french fries, then you can look at that and say, oh, man, it says, you know, no gluttons because they're idolatrous, so I'm going to stop at one. But, man, they were delicious. That was good. I landed that one. I stuck the landing. So we must be meditating on the word in order that the word would be in our mouth to give an answer of what is written. Amen? Shall we move to the next point? The word is our meditation day and night. The word is our meditation day and night. I love this. Hebrews. Oh, baby. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Even to the division of soul and spirit. What does that mean? It means your spirit wants to do what God wants to do. But your soul sometimes doesn't have a clue and steps in poo and goes down and takes you. (laughs) Feeling kind of rhymy today. I don't know if you noticed, really liked Dr. Seuss growing up. All right? It goes in and begins to help you to discern what is a soulish desire. See, your soul and your flesh are being regenerated. We're going to get into that as we continue to move forward. But your spirit is locked in with the Spirit of God. It's continuing to choose. Now, it's so close together Because you are one just as God is one. How many of you have stepped outside of your body and walked around without it? Yeah, exactly. Nobody. Because you can't step outside of your body because you are one. You are tripart. Okay? But the word of God is so living and powerful that it actually can go in and look at the the intentions of your heart, it says. The intentions of your heart, the thoughts and intentions of your heart, the inception of that idea, and say, whoa, hold up, hang on, this is not righteous. It has a, it, 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 it smacks of a little bit of righteousness, but actually you're doing this for all the wrong reasons. I want you to repent and do it for the right reason. The Spirit of God is living and acting. It can actually discern down to the intention of your heart. So the word is living and powerful, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. How are you going to discern the thoughts and intentions of your hearts without the word? I'm going to go ahead and give it away. You're not. You're not. You're just going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, for me, for me, when I think about it, for me, for me, not you, but for me, I like doing this a lot, a lot, a lot. And actually, when I think about it, for me, there's a lot of reasons why I'm going to go ahead and do it. Shut up. Don't judge me. The Bible says not to judge. The Bible says not to judge. Okay. When you say, when you make sounds like that, I just need you to know, you don't sound like a follower of Christ. I know, right? Cold front just came in. You just don't. You sound like a child. Ooh, I just picked a fight. But luckily we have the word of God, which causes us to mature. And we know that when we started out, we were like children, but then we moved on. Right? From from milk into meat. And this is some more meat. So we need the word of God or we will not discern the intentions of our heart. We will deceive ourselves. We will be easily deceived by this world. Amen? Somebody say amen. 
And you're like, we'll be deceived by the world. Yes, amen. That's not what you said amen to. But daily we must let the word do this. We must let the word do this. Because it doesn't take a lot. Excuse me, I'm sorry. It doesn't take a lot to get a little off course. Right? And at first it doesn't seem like much. But you get 2,000 miles down the road and all of a sudden you're like, where, where am I? Because you got off a little bit. And you didn't daily go and as Joshua said, meditate day and night in the word. Amen? Let's go to the next one. The word is inspired by God. It makes us complete and equips us for every good work. That's a sermon right there. The scripture in 2 Timothy says this. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I love that. The scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation. The scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation. They're able to save us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is a, okay, let me just read, I got some notes here, I'm going to read them to you so I'll stay on track. Our relationships with, with one another are to be directed by the teachings of Christ. Am I going too fast here? You want me to slow down? Anyone? Who wants me to slow down? Raise your hand. My wife. Okay, we're slowing down. Your guys' vote all counts for one. Hers counts for like 900. In fact, can I tell on you today or do I need to be cool? She wouldn't help me today. I was like, baby, would you come share the testimony about what a scum guts I was and how the Lord helped you through the word to get through that season? And she was like, honey, they all know that. I was like, yeah, but it's different when you say it. She's like, mm-hmm. And I said, would you please do it? She said, I will pray about it. I don't know what she prayed, but she's not up here. But man, she looks beautiful. Will you all just look at her. Just turn back and look at her. Oh, she's gorgeous. All right. That was me getting back at you. Spite right there. She loves it when everybody's looking at her. No. All right. Let me read these notes. Lord, forgive me and protect me from my wife later today. Our relationships with one another are to be directed by the teachings of Christ and his apostles in Holy Scripture. Did you catch that? Our relationships with one another are to be, they're to be directed by the teachings of Christ. Yeah, I know. That's like a revelation for someone. It's like, really? Are you sure? Yes. Yes, it's the only way. Further, it says, we're called to bring reproof, doctrine, instruction, and righteousness, correction, and to thoroughly equip one another for good works. I want you to catch this. Every single one of us is called to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. Did you catch that? Every single one of us. The Great Commission says, all authority has been given to me, Jesus speaking. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, doing what? Teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. That means every single one of us has been called to do that. How do we know what to do? We read the scriptures, and the scriptures actually tell us what to do. How many of you, okay, let me share a story. I was, uh, I think I was 13, Pretty sure I was 13, maybe 14. I went to a, I think I told you about this before, but I, it's a good story. So it's a horrible story, but it's a good exp, uh, exposition. So at any rate, example, thank you. I go to this conference called No Compromise. 
It's called no compromise. I don't know what I was expecting with my youth group or someone else's youth group. And we get there, and Josh McDowell is up there preaching. The worship was really nice. It was good. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I loved the Lord, but I loved to drink. I loved the Lord, but I loved pot. I loved the Lord, but I loved girls. So I had a lot of love in my life. So I go to No Compromise, and Josh McDowell's up there preaching out of the word. And I wanted to jump out of the crowd and punch him in the throat. I was like, you sanctimonious, judgmental, narrow-minded, out-of-touch knucklehead. Like, how do you even expect people to live like this? This is the stupidest, most self-righteous, nonsensical foolishness I've ever heard in my life. I was so angry with him. And so I went back to my room and we got out the fifth of vodka that we brought and we watched some pornography in our hotel room. This is a true story. I know, isn't that horrible? At a youth camp. Jesus, help us. So, why do you think I was angry? I know, it's a real question. I still don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I do know. I was convicted. I was, you know what, the, the, the five levels of grief. You know what the five levels of grief are? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. I believe all of us go through the five levels of grief in a matter of time, sometimes seconds, sometimes days, sometimes months, sometimes years, every time we're confronted with the scripture. Because you know what the scripture preaches? In order to follow Christ, you have to die. We're like, no, I don't. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's called denial. <laughs> then you're like, this is stupid, Josh McDowell, you narrow-minded jerk face. That's called anger bargaining. Lord, you know what? Please forgive me for this stuff. I realize it's probably pretty naughty, but I'm really enjoying it. But please help me and maybe help me to grow up someday. That's called bargaining. God, my life really does stink. I have shame all the time. It's taking more and more vodka and pot and porn to make me happy. I'm noticing a law of diminishing returns and the line keeps moving. Help! That's called depression. And then acceptance. Lord, you know what? I just, I'm ready to die. I've been driving long enough. I don't like this anymore. I'm out of control. Please help me. That's called acceptance. Are you there? You hearing me? So what does the scripture say? It says that we are able to bring reproof, doctrine, instruction in righteousness, correction, and thoroughly equip one another for good works. So when I come to you, I'm not judging you. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. But he said, but the words will judge you. The word will judge you. I don't have to judge you. I just read the word to you. Josh McDowell read, read the word to me. I was really mad at him. But what was I really mad at? I was mad at God because I wanted him to just lower the standard let me play for a while. I'm only young once, man. I need to enjoy this now. Right? How do we help one another? Through the word. Are you guys tracking with me? All right. I'm assuming I'm so brilliant you're just thinking about this. Mmm, it's good, Josh. So the word is inspired by God, and it makes us complete and equips us for every good work. And the way that we stir one another up to good works is we actually bring the word to bear in one another's lives. Now, I hope there was a collective shiver that just went down everyone's back. Because I just said something that if you catch it, is going to change your life forever. You are called to make disciples, teaching them to do everything that Christ commands. You're not teaching your own opinion. You're not bringing your own opinion to bear 
on other people's lives. You and I are bringing the scriptures to bear on those that we love enough, that we love enough to actually tell the truth. I'm not the only person that hated Josh McDowell that day. I've shared the story with you about one time when Karen mercilessly, unjustly, selfishly, and horrifyingly dared to hurt my pride. And she really was wrong. I don't remember what it was about. I just wrote down that she was wrong. It's in my journal. I framed it. It doesn't happen very often. And so I was just beating her with it. And I really wanted her to, like, repeat back to me the proper um, apology. She needed to say it in the right words, and she just wasn't getting it right. So we were with Doug and Anam at the time. I've shared this story with you, but it's, it bears repeating. And I was like, well, I don't want to, no, it's, you didn't say, no, because I, and, and, you, uh, dangling participle, whatever. And I, like, I don't want to beat a dead horse. And Doug goes, well, you freaking are. Which, if you've met Doug, that's actually exactly what he said. And I was like, really hurt. Like, what? Now you're siding with her. But you know what happened? Like, right after he said that, it's like, man, he is so right. You know what the scripture says? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Better than the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I want to ask you something today, in all humility, but forcefully, okay? When was the last time you got your feelings hurt by somebody who loves you? Because if it's been a while, your friends might not be telling you the truth. We got to love each other enough to bring the scripture and say, hey, this is what the scripture says. And, and I'll be honest with you, it came up because I just noticed last Friday you're doing the opposite. Not judging you, the word's doing it. But I'm worried about you. You guys with me? All right, let's go to the next one. You guys having fun? All right, you want to get up and stretch or anything? Got like 10 more minutes here. We can do this. All right, the word keeps us from sin and cleanses us. Yes. All right, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Ah, oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. That's Psalm 119. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus read that. And when Satan came and said, hey, command these stones to turn into bread. Prove to me that you're the son of God. Jesus said, it is written. The commands I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. And it is written that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he did not sin against God. Isn't that good? The word keeps us from sin and cleanses us. The word is our declaration, our contemplation, our meditation, and our delight. That's probably where all the rhyming came from. When I was writing this, it got me excited, and I started rhyming. <laughs> With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I love it. I'm going to read it again. It's so beautiful. With my lips... 
I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I'm actually speaking, God, about the things that I've read. I'm actually talking about them. I'm declaring them. I'm saying this is true. This is more true than my experience so far. This is more true than the temptations that I see. This is more true than the philosophies and the nonsense that I hear. This is more true than the talking heads, God. I've declared what your word says. The judgments of your mouth. I've rejoiced in the way. I love this. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. I've rejoiced in the way that you've dealt with your people in history. How you always saved Israel again and again. Even when she rejected you, you brought her back. I've rejoiced in the way that every time the, the weak were getting downtrodden, they called out to you and you turned. I rejoice in the way of your testimonies. You're good every day. You've always been good. You'll always be good. You love mercy more than judgment. The way of your testimonies. Written in the dirt with the blood of your son. Your testimony. Crying out. Redeeming the blood of righteous Abel. Even from the very first murder until now. The testimony of God. The red poem written in the soil of this earth. The testimony. The way of your love for me. I'll meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. How you wake me in the night, not to give me revelation, but just to say in my spirit, I love you. I delight in you. I like what I made. You're funny. I laugh at the things and the way you see them. You're a source of joy to me, Joshua. Yes, Lord, but what do you want to teach me? To go back to sleep, because I love you. I will delight myself in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. Come on. The word sanctifies and cleanses us. I love this. Catch this. Husbands, love your wives. Say law. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Lord. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. How is it, again, that she's holy and without blemish? How is it that she's cleansed and sanctified? Because he washes us with the water of the, I have had the unfortunate, and maybe many of you have, I, I've noticed a thing about bathing. I've, I'm a contemplator, okay? That last scripture, I'm, I'm going to contemplate some stuff. And this scripture says that God washes us with the water of the word. I have been in a lot of different situations, and I've got to tell you that cleanliness is a huge deal. How many of you can go a couple days without a shower? couple of you. Okay, well, praise God. I'm, I can't. I was sweating before you even got here. I just, I'm gifted that way. And my wife reminds me. She lets me meditate on this scripture. Go, wash thine self with the water of the word and take a shower. All right. I have worked with people. I got to tell you, the worst smell that I've ever smelled in my life is the smell of the cheese that grows between the folds of skin of human beings when they forget to bathe. Yeah, I know, it's nasty, but I want you to, I want to write it on your soul. 
It is a stench that is so absolutely fantastically horrific that I will throw up in my mouth before I can even get away. There, the, the cheese, the full cheese, so bad. It's a pungent, sweet, sickly, sweaty, foul thing. It's so bad. So bad. I'm not even going to regale you with the reasons of why I know about this. But I'll tell you one thing I know about this. It can be healed very simply by washing with water in the folds. Now, how many of us are walking around with stinky cheese in our spiritual life and we're all surprised that people are offended with our little self-centered nonsense lives? Oh, I don't like the way you did that. It's like, oh, good Lord. Fold cheese, man, that's bad. <laughs> smells horrible. They hurt my feelings and they talked about my fold cheese. Cool. You hurt my feelings, the senses, one of them, my nose, it's bad. And we're walking around with fold cheese. And we think we're okay. We're like, oh, I'm a good Christian. I prayed a prayer one time and, and I'm going to go to heaven someday. And so, yeah, in my little life. And the spirit scripture says that Jesus wants to sanctify you. He wants to wash you with the water of his word every day. Because earlier, what did it say? Meditate on the word daily, nightly. How often and important. How many of you went to school and they taught you about it? Remember the hot spots? Remember that in school? They were like, hygiene for everyone. Remember health class? Hygiene for everyone. You need to wash everywhere. And then they had the hot spots, especially the hot spots. All right? Just be clean. Just wash with the water of the word every day. And we will smell delightful, an aroma pleasing unto the Lord and one another. Have I etched this in your mind? Are you appropriately horrified? Can I say it one more time? Then wash with the water of the word. All right. I want to have the worship team come on back up. Now, I love this scripture. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, Jesus, give me wisdom. You know I lack it. All right. The word teaches us God's thoughts. God's word accomplishes everything he declares it will. The word teaches us what is acceptable to the Lord. Ephesians says this, for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Where would I find that? In the Word. The Word teaches us that. And it says that you are my friends, I tell you all things. Where? In the Word. When, I love it when Isaiah 55, people quote that all the time, and they're like, his ways are higher than our ways. Who can know the mind of the Lord? He's telling us. He wrote the scripture. The whole reason why we know that his ways are higher than our ways is because he said it and then told us what to do. So the point is, you can know the will of the Lord. You with me? All right, I'm getting tempted again by that last statement. I want to say it really bad. Okay, the word teaches us to understand God's will. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Where would you learn those psalms? In the Word. In the Word. 
The word is able to save our souls. I just have to read this one. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. How many of you think the word is important? How many of you believe you need to meditate on the word day and night? How many of you believe you need to read the word each day in order to survive in this world? How many of you are actually doing it? Ouch. The word teaches us what to do and blesses us when we do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and end with this scripture. And then these guys have a fantastic song for us. I'm going to wrap it all up. Here we go. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Have you ever noticed with the forgetful hearer, like forgetful, how, how is it that we fight forgetfulness? Anybody? You go back and check. The only way you can not forget is write a list, keep checking the list. God wrote a fantastic list of goodness right here that you can check every day. And you won't be a forgetful doer, forgetful hearer, if you keep going back and checking this every day. You guys with me? All right. This one will be blessed. So I'm going to finish that sentence. He says, as not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So let me summarize here. All right. Let's, can you guys see that okay? I know that blue's not as bright. I want to read these together, okay? This is everything that we just saw, but I want to read these headlines. I just want to hear you say them because they're such good news, all right? So let's go. Ready? The Word is God. The written Word is our response. The Word is our meditation day and night. The Word is living and powerful, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. The Word is inspired by God. It makes us complete and equips us for every good work. The word keeps us from sin and cleanses us. The word is our declaration, our contemplation, our meditation, and our delight. The word sanctifies and cleanses us. The word teaches us God's thoughts. God's word accomplishes everything he declares it will. The word teaches us what is acceptable to the Lord. The word is able to save our souls. The Word teaches us to understand God's will. The Word teaches us what to do and blesses us when we do it. I would say the Word is pretty awesome. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. What I want to ask for today, we're going to listen, we're going to sing this song together. And it has a beautiful bridge. And I always love it when the worship team picks out songs that go perfectly with the sermon because we rarely communicate unless we make a special request. We just let them hear the Lord and pick the set list. We don't pick the, uh, pastors don't pick the set list. But the refrain of this, if you could put it up, the bridge is I want to take your word and shine it all around. First help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory to you. Now, I want you to catch this. I believe the enemy uses that second line. First, help me just to live it, Lord. And the devil comes in and goes, yeah, for 20 years. <laughs> then you can shine the world, the word around. This right here is every moment and every hour. You obey the word, right, that second. And then you share that word. 
This is every day. As long as it's today, don't harden your heart. God, let me shine the word into my heart every day. Wash me with the water of the word every day. Search my heart. Discern the intentions of my heart every day. Transform me by the renewing of my mind through the washing of the water of the word every day. Believers, sons and daughters of God, family, we must be in the word every day. If you are not in the habit of getting into the word every day, change that, change that and make that your habit now. You will not be blessed and you will not thrive unless you actually do the things in this word. And the thing that this word says is to meditate on it day and night. So today, whatever the excuse has been, whatever the reasoning has been, whatever thing it is, in light of these scriptures, repent if you need to. Turn from the foolishness of an undisciplined life and begin to be a person of the word again. Let the Spirit of God, through this scripture, transform your life. As they sing this song, I want you to search your heart. If you're someone who needs to repent, change, repent, and commit. Pull out your iPhone or your lesser phone. Put into, I'm sorry, I'm so mean. Pull out your phone and put into your calendar what time you're going to wake up now so that you'll have time for this. It will change your life. I will share one more time. When I was an alcoholic, a workaholic, I worked about 16 hours a day most of the time, or I was gone 16 hours a day most of the time. My wife and I did home care, so she, I would get up in the morning, get the guys ready, bathe them, dress them, feed them breakfast, and leave, and I'd be gone at eight. Karen would usually get up right about that time, or a little before, and she would take care of the two guys, so we did 24 hour home care, so she couldn't leave, because I was gone. I had two other businesses that I was working on. I was a contractor and did sandblasting. And then I was also in a band, so I had two nights a week that we did practices, and then weekends we would do shows. And I was an alcoholic, so when we weren't doing that, I was drinking. I was horribly addicted to pornography, so I was constantly having to come back and tell my wife yet again how I had violated our marriage and how I needed other things in order to stimulate my drive. So as I'm breaking her heart over and over and over again, and as she's spending most of her time with an 86-year-old and an 88-year-old who had all their various own issues, that involved a lot of cleaning up. She's there with our three-year-old Mercy. And her life sucks. Honestly, it just does. <laughs> One of the older guys really didn't like us very much, and he was kind of the lady of the house before Karen got there, and he really would, like, cause all kinds of trouble. So that was awesome. So during that time, she went to a friend of hers, and she said, my life is horrible. Like, this is really, really bad. This is really, really hard. My husband's not getting better. He's getting worse. What do I do? And her friend said, Karen, are you in the Word? And Karen is like, did you just even listen to anything that I said? So she went away. So she came back. She shared this several times, I think for a year. Is that right, Karen? 
for a year, Karen continually went to this friend and said, look, things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And each time her friend wouldn't give her any advice, she would just say, Karen, are you getting in the word each day? Are you taking time for the word and for worship? And finally, after a year, Karen settled in her heart that she would begin to spend time each morning in the word and that she would take some time in worship. So she began to do that. Very quickly, within a matter of months, is that, is that true? Yeah. Within a matter, I'm, I'm really bad about time frames, so I have to check in with my wife because she's not. I, there was such a dynamic shift in Karen that it began to pro provoke me to jealousy. And I came to Karen, I said, Karen, you live better than me. You, you're always at peace. You're not depressed. You and I have the exact same life. But I am self-destructing and you're doing awesome. What is it that you do differently than me? Because I live most of my life with you. And she said, every day I get in the Word and I take time to worship. And I'm like, and? She's like, and that's it. And so I began to take time to get in the Word. And it was in that time then that the Lord caused me to forgive my father, to work through bitterness. It was in that time then that I began to get deliverance from all the demonic things that were in my life. It was in that time that I began to realize I had to live a disciplined life under the unction of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk out of the habits that I had been. And it was in that time then that the Lord called us to then step into what's now become this. But you know where it all started? Was a woman who was desperate, crying out, God, how do I live in the midst of this situation, this unfair, horrific situation? And the Lord's saying, here is my word. Meditate on it day and night. And because she got in the word, I turned and I myself was also pulled into that same salvation that she found. Brothers and sisters, get in the word. Make it your sole aim. Everything else will begin to move into subjection and blessing of Jesus Christ if you will do that. Take the time to repent if you need to. Take a step today. Put it in your, in your iPhone or whatever and get in the Word.
check, check. There we go. The prayer team is in the back of the room if you need prayer today, healing in your body, encouragement, or if you'd like to just have someone agree with you for something in your life, please take advantage of that. As you do business with the Lord, feel free to leave at whatever time you're ready. The worship team is going to continue to just lead us in this song. May the Lord bless you, keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you, and may he give you peace.